The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Officially Unofficial, presented by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American, Johnny Junta, and we're here with a special guest. He is a former JUCO bandit, a JUCO legend. He went a different way than I did, though, after JUCO. He went pro. I went to my mother's basement. It is my pleasure to welcome Swiss Army Knife for the Washington Nationals, Andrew Young. How are we, kid? Doing great. Uh, you know, Eric, all that uh, JUCO talk, you ever meet up with him or get yeah, him on no, the podcast? Actually, I was supposed to have him on this week. Um, but as you can tell in my voice, I'm kind of fucking sick. This is my Jordan flu game. Uh, okay. so yeah, like I, I, we pushed it to next week. I've had him on like four or five times though. Me and him are Juco guys. So, you know, Sim though, right? Yeah, I do. You know, he just does everything. So if you're in Arizona, I feel like everyone knows Sim. How do you, how did you meet him? Oh man. How did I meet him? I think that he just, uh, we were just live at bats one day and we, he was throwing and then we started texting. He's like, Hey, you want to do this here and here and here? And he does everything. So then we just kind of started to, to do stuff together. So I got to bring this up. Cause you're on, you're on, you were on the Arizona Diamondbacks. One of our close friends, Alex Young was on the team as well. Your nickname's a Y his is a Y. Was there a little bit of drama going on there? Or what's the deal with that? Yeah, we, we talked about it a little bit. We were going to, who's the, who's a Y one and who's a Y two. And I remember probably three years ago when they used to have those, those jerseys where you could pick your last name, yeah. whatever those kids weekend or something. We were, we were in the discussion, like who gets to be AY1, AY2. And luckily it never came to those jerseys again, or we might've had to duke it out. He's such a good dude, by the way. I love AY. He's a legend. Um, yeah. And I want to go into your Juco routes. Cause obviously you're a Juco bandit, as you can see with your shirt, I'm a Juco bandit, former face of junior college. So, Let's go into some funny stories, man. I mean, it's the trenches. Obviously, playing in the show, you don't see a lot of guys who kind of understand what it's like to play Juco. Um, what's some funny stories you have or just like an experience like, where the fuck am I right now? Well, yeah. I mean, Chanute. So I went to Neosho County in, in a small town in Kansas. Uh, man, when I went there, I think there was like one hotel, a McDonald's. Yep. And that was uh, – Coach Murray, he had he was he was the mayor of that town. Like if you did anything wrong, everyone in that town knew him. And he had this rule where you had to have your shirt tucked in all the time. So it's not just what? like on camp class. Like if you go to Walmart and your shirt's not tucked in, someone will tell Coach Murray and you'll be doing lunge triangles. So oh. stuff like Oh, but here's here's another story I love. So we had a kid during a fall scrimmage, a pitcher. He throws a pitch someone just lights it up and he gives it one of these. He, he throws his glove up because he thinks it's a home run, starts walking off the mound, just walk off. It hits the fence, right? So the game continues, whatever. Coach Murray yells at this kid and says, you're going to bless that glove. Like if you throw equipment, you're going to bless it. There's a church probably a half mile down the road. And you lunge all the way there, put your glove on the step of the church and then lunge it back to bless it. And then you can, uh, join practice again so those are probably my my favorite stories but i mean you went to juco there's unlimited things you could talk about there really is like and one story that really stands out to me is uh, obviously like i went to school in nebraska so all we could really do was like drink um to have a good time so we would get mangled a lot we get in a lot of trouble and and you mentioned those triangles and people who don't know who try what triangles are it's home plate 
to foul pole across the field to the other foul pole and then back. That is the worst punishment you could possibly do. It really is. Yep. Yeah. But uh, did you guys ever do perimeters too? You guys ever do perimeters? Uh, what's a perimeter? Where you're, you're literally just running like around the whole field. Like fa- all, like you just, you never leave the fence. It's a nightmare. <laughs> we didn't do that, but we had a, we got there and you have to run two miles under 14 minutes. And if Oh my God. It, you have to wake up at 5 a.m. and run it every morning until you make it. And, you know, there's some some dudes on a baseball team that are just out of shape. Yeah. Some prior relievers or something that haven't ran since 05. And it takes them like three weeks to get two miles in under uh, 14 minutes. So they do that every morning. So, I mean, there's just unlimited stories. Dude, and Neosho is an absolute wagon of a school. Probably one of the best JUCO schools in the country. And you guys actually got some really good gear, right? I mean, were you there when they were with Nike and stuff? Uh, I don't remember them being with Nike, but yeah, they, uh, I mean, they have an indoor facility, indoor turf infield. They have probably eight different Jersey tops. I mean, they had more stuff than I think my division one had. So yeah, they're, they're a powerhouse in, in Juco. Do you think, cause obviously when you were there, they're probably a wagon. Do you think you guys, like, I'm assuming in the fall, you guys would face D ones and stuff, correct? Like, would you guys beat these D ones? We actually didn't ever play. Really? Other, we just inter-squatted each other every day. Wow. I mean, we used to, I mean, we used to do the fall trip where we'd uh, play D2s, D1s, all that kind of stuff. So you guys didn't do any of that stuff. What was one of your rivals in Kansas? Cause I know, um, do you guys face Iowa Cent or not Iowa central? Um, the Revere's right. What, what, what's that team name? I'm trying to hit the blanking on uh, Iowa West, Iowa Western. Yeah. Did you guys ever play those schools? Uh, we didn't, I think our biggest rivals were uh, probably like Jan- Johnson County and uh, stuff like that. There's so many junior college in Kansas that I, we never really left the state. And if we did, we went to like Crowder and Missouri or maybe Arkansas and schools like that. Dude. So were you a freaking, you could be honest. This is a trust circle here. Like, were you a freaking nature at Neosho? Like what, what are the numbers you were putting up? Oh man. I don't even know. I was, I was pretty good in junior college. I think I hit around three sixty ish. Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Let me it was, search. It up. I, I was only there one year, but it was a, uh, it was a fun year for sure. I mean, so so you, you were there for a year with a legend, but I mean, when you're, when you're there at Neosho, you're in junior college and then you go to that D one, how much of like a difference was that for you? Because obviously I never did it. So I have yeah. really no idea, but what was it like for you to like, you're not doing these weird ass triangle shit at the D ones and all that kind of stuff. Um, it was different. Uh, the biggest thing were just in, in junior college, I feel like baseball is just your job because you, there's no restrictions on how much you practice. So it's almost like you're at the field all day and you're just with the guys, you know, cause you're there for four or five hours almost every day you're there or you're doing a team function or something. And in division one, you don't really do any of the fundraising stuff to save a little more money. And also there's restrictions on how much you can be at the field. So sometimes there's like, all right, you can't have NCAA practice. You can only be here for 30 minutes. So that was kind of weird. It's like, man, you go there for 30 minutes and, and you're done. Sometimes it was just like, I'm used to being here for five hours, so that was different. What was isn't there a loophole though in the NCAA where they do it? Um, where they say practice is optional, but you have to go, so they get around those rules. Is that, is that how they do it? Um, I'm sure they do it different, but uh, I don't know. When we were there, we had individuals, and we couldn't have team practice, and you'd still work out in small groups, but it wasn't like the ju- JUCO where you're there with the whole team every day. It's a nightmare. Like these junior college workouts, I remember we used to get to the field and you know, we used to do these 5am workouts at the like uh just these weird runs hospital runs we used to call it then we'd get back lift weights and then go to the field and hit and tr- and do these random pfps and shit it was a nightmare like i mean oh, juco yeah. juco is when you compare it to like the minor leagues in your aspect of like the living conditions uh yeah maybe the living conditions um i don't know new york have pretty nice dorms uh I would say like when you go on the road, the hotels and stuff is oh similar. My God. It's a nightmare. But that Kansas conference is good though. There's so many yeah. schools. There's so many yeah. schools and they're all good. Yeah, they're good. And everything's so close that we rarely stay in hotels. Everything's a day trip. So I don't know. It's, I think for other junior colleges that have to travel more, I think it would be close, but we were pretty lucky. Was that your first coach that you ever had where you're like, I'm scared shitless of this human being? Because the stories you're telling me are nightmares. Like, I, I think I'd hate my life if I, if I, if I went there. 
Uh, I didn't hate my life. He was just, uh, he just ran everything. He ran the town, he ran the team and he had a way of doing things and he's been doing it for a long time and he's been successful doing it. So you're just, you're going to do it his way. And you kind of look at the success he's had and it's like, I'm not going to say no. And it's like, you're going to, you're going to run until your legs don't work and you're going to do pull-ups until your arms don't work. And that's just how it is. Do you feel like the running stuff is kind of outdated now with like the analytics that we have and all that stuff. Cause I, when I was at Juco, I remember I'd be like, why are we doing this, man? Like we should be lifting weights more or like doing, or like working on hitting and fielding and all that kind of stuff. Like the running stuff is just kind of dumb to me. I mean, seeing obviously you train now with better guys and you're probably doing specific sports training and all that kind of stuff. Is the running just outdated now? Like some of the, the shit that they do at Juco? Um, I don't think that it's, um, great for baseball movements, you know, but I think when you're a a freshman in college, a sophomore in college, um, I mean, it's really going to see how much you want to play the game. And also it's going to just train your mind. Like, let's see how far you can push yourself. So I think in that aspect, it's still really good, but for baseball stuff, it's, it's not really a, it doesn't make this like, I mean, obviously you do it for the mental toughness, see what players get there and all that kind of stuff. But did you guys have like a hell week? where you'd wake up every day at 5 a.m. or do crazy shit to see which guys would quit or not? Because we had that, and it was a nightmare. Yep, I think it was, like, the, the week before Thanksgiving, maybe, or the week before Christmas, one of those breaks. And um, But every, every day was so hard that I don't even know at that <laughs> point. You're just like, well, you can't drop anything else on us, you know? Maybe the time, you know, like, maybe it's colder, but we've been doing this since day one, so it's hard to really get under guys' skin when you're just building them up. So how did yeah. you, so how did you get so you got recruited by Indiana State and you went there? What was like a couple other schools in the mix for you after your sophomore year in JUCO? Um, I was looking at I wanted to visit to Butler. Um, I talked to Nebraska a little bit, but I never ended up going to a visit or anything there. I was talking to um, the University of Houston a little bit, um, and then Southern Alabama. So those were the kind of the schools that I was talking to the most. Yeah, I mean, everyone that goes to the Neo show is pretty much a D1 guy or a draft guy. I mean, that school is just – I don't think I would have lasted a day there. I would have been like seventh-string first baseman because it's just a bunch of guys that could probably play D1 with ease, but they want to go JUCO because the academics there obviously aren't as as hard as it is at a D1, and you're pretty much just there to play baseball. It's electric. So did you guys have any – did you guys have any like specific – restaurants or foods that you just would you guys would fire all the time there anything like that because we have this little mexican place that we used to go there every almost every single day it was electric but did you guys have like that one spot give it a free give a free ad yeah i mean we had the same thing small hole in the wall mexican restaurant and i can't even remember the name but it's probably starts with an l and something like that but it's like (laughs) i I don't know mcdonald's probably like yeah no (laughs) dude it's it's insane to me like how cheap you probably don't realize it because I, I live in toronto it's insane to me like how cheap like the mcdonald's is in the u.s compared to here like i don't you guys don't realize it because obviously you don't see it but here stuff that would cost like five bucks there is like 12 to 15 dollars at, at mcdonald's here it's insane. like that was the first reality check i was like where the fuck am i like 60 piece <laughs> 60 piece nuggets for like 20 bucks like what even yeah. is that great isn't it it's it's amazing so and then you get drafted from uh, if you get drafted from indiana state um what was that like to, uh, so you for i believe you forgone your senior year there right you only played one year yeah. in indiana state so was uh, that a hard decision I, was that a hard decision what i was a senior oh you were a senior okay so what was it like to i mean sign with the arizona diamondbacks and then next thing you know you're just grinding back you're pretty much back to your juco routes am i correct on that or yeah, pretty Cardinals, much. drafted by the Cardinals. sorry Yep. So I got drafted by the Cardinals in like the last pick of the 37th round. So I wasn't even watching the draft. I was actually out on a boat with my buddies. <laughs> I wasn't even watching the draft. I was kind of going out of my way not to draft, like watch it because my advisor at the time was just a ghost. So it's like, this is a bad sign when he's not talking to you. Yeah. I was like, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Or I don't know. He said he's his, his words on the first day were maybe the last day. And then I just never heard from him again. So it's like, <laughs> So I was like, oh, man, it's not going to happen. So I was just out on a boat, like, hanging out. And then I had a, I had a call from my dad. And he's like, hey, you watching? You just got drafted. And I was like, no, what happened? He's like, you're going to St. Louis or you're going to the Cardinals organization. And I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, I better better go back to Fargo and find my, find my glove, you know, <laughs> because our season was over for a minute. And then they're like, yeah, you're going to be in Jupiter, Florida in three days. You're going to start in rookie ball. 
How about it? So you didn't even think you were going to get dropped? Like, at one point, were you like, all right, like, I'm done with baseball here? Like, was that like a realistic, like, plan for you? Yeah. I mean, I thought I was done. Really? So, like, you, like, you got drafted. I know where, like, the Cardinals never even reached out to you. I guess your agent had no idea what he was doing. But, um, like, the Cardinals never reached out to you. It was just, like, an out-of-the-blue pick in the draft? I didn't talk to him a single day before they drafted me. I mean, I filled out probably 15 questionnaires, maybe, I don't know three or four months before that but i didn't talk to him a single time jesus man I, that's the mlb draft to me is so bananas because you get drafted by teams that you legit think maybe hate you or have no idea who you are and then you oh, just, yeah. and the next thing you know you're just there so how weird was that for you to go from that mindset to it's like all right i'm done with baseball i gotta find like a real job now to holy shit I just got drafted by the cardinals now i have to play in the floor uh, in the florida league and just in hell like the one of the worst leagues to play with play in the u.s <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't know it was a bad league, so I was just happy to be there. And, um, you know, it was, it was fine. I was, I probably only, my college season ended maybe five or six days before that. So it wasn't like I was coming from nothing, but, um, no, I was just excited to see kind of where I stacked up, you know, I got there and, and I was playing with these younger kids cause it's rookie ball. It's where they've sent their high school prospects and their, there are Latins that made it out of the Academy. So it's like kind of like the first step in the United States, like eight levels away from the big leagues. And it was just kind of fun to see uh, where I stacked up. That's kind of how I looked at it. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's such a grind of a league too. Cause the heat there is pretty bad, right? With the humidity. I heard like that that's one of the things. Oh yeah. It's, it's humid. It's hot. I feel like it's coming from the grass and you play every game on a backfield at, at uh, noon. So it's oh my uh, God. And then, dude, you played in one of the towns that gets absolutely roasted on here, I'm pretty sure, in the New York Penn League State College. What was your time like there? I mean, incredible. State College was – it's Penn State, so that place is awesome. Oh, I was thinking – okay, I'm thinking of uh, Brooklyn, maybe, the Brooklyn team. Is there, a, is there a Brooklyn team in that division in the New York Penn? I mean, people are probably just crushing on, like, Batavia. And- yes, Batavia. That, that's what yeah. it is. So, that State place- College. So state college though, you're you're playing you're playing like close to the Penn State campus. So were the were the games like electric? Yeah, dude. They sold out all the time. The football stadium was right across the street. That place was awesome. So are you a Penn State guy now? Are you are you a big Penn State fan? Yeah, I mean I try to cheer for the Big Ten if they if they have a chance, but well, I'm a Michigan no, but... guy. I'm a Michigan guy, so that's a little bit of a touchy subject for me, especially yeah. with last week. Just an absolute nightmare. Uh, you just hate to see it. I mean, that team. So you were there in 2016, and that team was an absolute wagon. You guys yeah. were in first place. You're 50 and 26. Like, who's a couple guys <laughs> on that team that are, like, in the show now or close to it that you played with? Uh, so Tommy Edmond was on that team. He just won a gold glove with the Cardinals. Oh, my uh, God. Gordon, Gordon Hicks was on that team. He throws 600 miles per hour. <laughs> and he was a starter for that. So I was like, what are you doing? Why are you oh throwing? Oh, my God starter for five innings you know i mean there's got to be more guys if i just can think about it but for a rookie ball team or i guess a short season a team that was just it was unbelievable they were so good well when you're in that league though like and you see a guy let's just say like uh like jordan hicks or tommy Edmond, are you looking at these guys like these guys are going to the show like a thousand percent or like did they stand out that much there or were they kind of just in the pack well, th- those guys are both on my team. And uh, Jordan Hicks was pretty much like, you don't see 102 very often. Yeah. So I think he's going to the show. <laughs> like, you can't argue with numbers. Uh, but I think Tommy was always really, really good. But I don't think at that level you were like, he's going to go to the show. And in his second year there, he's going to win a gold glove. He just did everything right, you know. And then as he kind of progressed through the minor leagues and started hitting 300 every year and never made an error. You're like, all right, that's what a big leader looks like, you know? Dude, you've played in some bananas fucking teams, Springfield. So do you have any funny stories from your minor league career? Like such like a Juco kind of story where a hotel you're staying at where there's like roach infested roasted, like there's blood on the beds. Like what's your funniest story from your minor league career? I have a few of them. I I don't know if I can tell them without incriminating myself, but I do have some funny ones where it's like, um, I mean, I'd say just the grind of the PCL, the AAA is just like you're playing a game in, in let's say Sacramento, and then you 
get done with the game and you have a 3 a.m. flight after the game got done at 11, get back to the hotel at 1, you don't sleep, you fly to Vegas, you have a delay, and then you get to Oklahoma City at like 6 and you go to the field and play a game in AAA. So that, those, those flying games were just nightmares. And it wasn't like a short flight. It was across the country. And it's not like you're chartering planes. You're flying Southwest, you know? <laughs> yeah. Dude, that makes me respect guys like Jake Hager. I don't know if you played with Jake Hager. That's my guy. That makes me respect yeah. him even more because he's been grinding in AAA, like fluctuating from the show in AAA. I don't know. Like that guy's so strong mentally to be able to do that shit because I have no idea how you guys do that, man. Like you're flying charter flights with like kids crying on fucking airplanes. It's just an absolute nightmare. I have no idea how you guys do that shit, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm actually really good. For, I played with Jake this year in, uh, in AAA and Oh, he's he's an awesome dude. He's such a good guy. You've actually played with like a couple of guys, a couple of uh, friends of the pod. I mean, Hager's one of them, but uh, ha- Hager's Hager is like a he's a sneak like he is a sneaky like just like one of the best team guys of all time. Like he'll just oh. do whatever for the boys. He's electric. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And then uh, so you're playing in Reno. Uh, you guys got the chance to play at that Las Vegas Aviators ballpark. I got to bring that up because that field is absolutely dynamite. How? S- uh. How I mean, obviously you're playing in Las Vegas. Did the boys get after a little bit before games or or, or after games? Like, did you guys hit the strip or what? Uh, yeah, I mean, we so AAA this year was was um, six games on and one off every trip. So it's like when you get done with that last game, you kind of you can go do what you want. So we um, we had a buddy who was getting married, and we knew he wasn't going to see the boys when he went back to Wisconsin. So we went to the strip and. And we hung out and we kind of saw what there was to see. So that was, that was a blast. And I mean, I guess it's Vegas, you know, it was, it was a fun time. What's your game of choice? Like when you, when you roll into the casino, like, what are you playing? You craps guy, blackjack, roulette? Like, what are you firing? Uh, Probably blackjack. You're a blackjack guy. Would you say you're an above average, like a rain man type blackjack player? Or what, what would you say you are? Uh, I know the rules. So I know the book. Uh, okay. I'm gonna, I was supposed to be played. I'm not going to count cards, but I can. Pretty much every situation I know what, what the odds say you should do. Uh, yeah, see, that's the thing. I mean, I how electric would it be to count cards? Like, it would just be the most – it's sick. I, I yeah. the, the people that are good at blackjack piss me the fuck off because they just – it just – it's so aggravating. They know what to do on every single hand. They're not hitting on 15 because they're like, this dealer's going to – he's going to bust. It's just being good at blackjack is one of the cockiest, most electric things you could be good at of all time. So, it's yeah. Just, yeah, dude, it's, so when you guys play in – I feel bad for those players that actually play for the aviators because their pockets must be just absolute nightmare fuel. Like it would just oh. feel, it would be sick. And the team hotel is like a five-star right across from the field. And it is a casino. Red rock, every right? T- yeah. It's unbelievable. So every time you're there, you just sit down there gambling too. And it's like, man, you guys do this all the time. But I mean, we're in Reno. So there's a ton of casinos there too. It's just like a poor man's Vegas, but it's, it's also electric, you know, casinos everywhere. Dude, that's so sick. I love, I mean, Reno is, uh, I mean, Reno gets roasted a lot because I have a lot, like, I, I, I'm, like I said, I'm close to the vet Las Vegas guys. There's just this weird rivalry between Reno and Las Vegas. I have no idea why. I'm assuming just the bass, like the schools there and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's just an absolute nightmare. But I wanted to go into your big league career. Obviously, you make your debut, you play for the Diamondbacks. How, wh- where were you when you found out you were getting the call? I mean, and what was running through your head? Because obviously, like I said, you're a 37th rounder. The odds are stacked against you, right? I mean, hypothetically speaking, the odds are stacked against 37th rounders to go to the show. So what was, I mean, what was it like to get that call finally to the show, man? It's just, it's, it's a lot. It's all day. It's, you just love to see it. Yeah. It was such a weird year. It was in 20 with COVID. So we were doing the alt site stuff. So I was actually just driving back from an all site game because we'd have our games at the same time the show would have their games uh just in case someone got hurt and i was actually driving back to my house in, in uh chandler and uh, our farm director just called me he's like hey man you're going to the show like pack up your stuff you're you're going to uh chase tomorrow and i was like oh man like thank you like i appreciate the opportunity and stuff and then i was just started calling family members and i mean telling them was probably the best part like telling my dad and telling my grandpa like my grandpa was, was probably the happiest human in the world and i think they got happier than than I probably was, but that was, that was the best part. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I, it just, especially in that COVID year, right. Was that, was there fans allowed in the stadium at that time? Cause I know in Toronto, obviously we didn't, we didn't even have a team here and all that kind of stuff. Some areas didn't have fans, but were your, was your family able to go to that game? 
No, they weren't. There was no fans the whole year. Oh yeah, I completely forgot that. I just have twenty. It's just it, it's a it's a huge cluster fuck in my head. 2020, 2021. It's just a huge cluster. But yeah. so so. I mean, what was that? How far? Like, that's just a nightmare. I mean, your parents couldn't even get to see your debut. What, what, like, were they at your house in Chandler watching, waiting for you? Or, like, how did that work out? No, it was crazy. So, it's, uh, it's, they, um, they, they live in Fargo. So, they flew down to Phoenix to watch the game on TV in Arizona. <laughs> so, <laughs> after the game, but it wasn't, wasn't quite as cool as the, uh, the other debut stories where they're there, you know? It's just, I mean, obviously it's still, you still get to make that big league debut and all that kind of stuff. But did you feel like when you're making that debut, it was kind of not taken away from you, but it was just like, it didn't hit you in the feels as much as it'd be if your like family was there, you're paying playing in front of like fans, all that kind of stuff. Like what was that debut? Like just in the aspect of you're playing in front of seats, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was weird. It was definitely still like different. Some people have asked me like, did it feel like a scrimmage? And it's like, no, when you're playing, you know, when you're playing the Dodgers and Kershaw's on the mound, it doesn't feel like a scrimmage ever, you know, like, <laughs> all like just because there's no one there, it's like, it's on national television and one of the best pitchers of all time is pitching. It's not a scrimmage, but it was weird not to have them there, you know, and um, I don't think it took away from anything because they got to come the next year, you know? Yeah. So then I kind of got that experience to have them all there and, and in the stadium next year with fans. So it was, it was good. I kind of got two debuts, I guess. So what was that? I mean, so facing Kershaw, was that your like, holy shit, I'm in the MLB reality check? Because this guy's stuff is just insane. Yeah, I think Kershaw was a big one because I couldn't get, I mean, I couldn't even put the ball in play for a while. And it was always like a spring training righty lefty matchup. Like, hey, go get him, kid. And then yeah. by the end double and i was like all right i'm i'm here i'm back you know i can i can do it yeah i mean so when so we always talk about here like moments when you realized i'm in the big leagues what was that moment when did you have that holy shit i'm in the big leagues moment was it like the the private jets with just the boys was it the meals you guys get before games like what was it when did you get that like holy shit i'm in the show i mean all of it your first road trip is just crazy you get on a you know the get done with a game and you're there at the next spot in two hours. Cause you drive your buses, your five charter buses to the way get on the plane. And then you land in some random city and you go to a Ritz Carlton, you know, and there's Ruth Chris waiting for you. And you're just like, where am I? You don't touch a bag. It's just in your, in your room already. And it's like, dude, this is unbelievable. Like this is not how they do it in junior college. You're literally giving me chills. Like I couldn't even imagine how you literally don't even come in contact with, like you said, your bag, like, your luggage, your bag until you get to the hotel. It's insane to me. Like, and then, but when you fluctuate, obviously you go down to triple A, triple A, the show, triple A, the show. What is like the biggest difference from triple A to the show on the field aspect, like pitching wise, approach wise the play like what's the biggest difference for you like that you noticed um i think pitchers just never don't have a pitch you know they always have every pitch and sometimes in triple a sometimes they'll have still have that really good fastball and that slider but they won't have that change up so they'll just they won't go to it you know in the show i feel like they always have every pitch in a location so and they also have incredible like reports. So if you have every pitch and a great report, you have to be a very, very complete hitter to, to cover all that. Like if you're not hitting a lefty slider that week, you're going to see a hundred of them, you know, like that's just, so it's just, I'd say the scouting reports and how good the pitchers are at throwing to those reports is, is different. Cause in triple A still, they don't have those in-depth reports like that. Isn't it crazy though? Like the access you guys have, like you could watch a Kershaw slow-mo video of him throwing his, whatever slider fastball and you could just and it, you just get so much prep work on that is there guys on the team that you played with with the diamondbacks that didn't like to look into that prep like that didn't like to watch pitchers like uh mechanics or what pitches they throw they just like to go up there and kind of wing it did you have guys like that yeah absolutely i mean um some of our best hitters i remember in 20 uh sterling Marte. i mean he played call of duty on his phone during our hitting meetings you know like <laughs> and like he raked, like, but I think that like, it's a joke kind of, but also like, he's so good at what he does and he knows exactly what he's going to do that. I don't think he cares what they're going to do. Like he doesn't care what the pitcher's going to do. Cause he's going to do his thing and he doesn't care. You know, like you can throw whatever report you want or whatever you think he can't hit and he'll just hit it. <laughs> so it's like, that's just 
was his mentality. And that's why he was so good. And there's others, the other side of the spectrum where some guys are like, you know, I want to know everything, the percent pitch he throws in a two, two count and a three, two count and this and this and this, and what he throws to righties, lefties, this situation, right in scoring position. And they're very good in it too, but it's like some people are the opposite. Do you feel like when you do that much prep work, it kind of, you get, cause I, obviously I was a mental, like I wasn't all there mentally when I'd be at the plate, I'd just be a psychopath. But do you yeah. think that doing all that pregame work kind of makes you get in your own head? And like, have you tried to have you, have you specifically tried that approach that Starling Marte has where it's like, I'm just going to go up there and wing this shit, man. I'm going to trust my abilities. Yeah. I'm much closer to, to Marte than the people that memorize everything because for one, I've never been good at that, that good at math. So same. You know, at some point it's like, I can't even remember all these numbers and also, if there are people that are really good and they memorize those mum- numbers and then it doesn't happen, they get bad. And it's like, well, I didn't have that problem because I didn't know what it was. You know, yeah, true. I, I, I do the things where it's like the probability to righties. What is his top two pitches? What are the shapes of the pitches? Like, what does he like to do in certain situations? Like, that's kind of the closer to what I do. You know, I don't memorize the numbers. Completely off topic here. I got to bring this up because that shirt, I don't know if it's the shirt. How many times a year do you get steroid tested? And this is just me pumping your tires here because your arms are the size of my fucking legs. So I just got to ask you that. I mean, are you just never off the curling bar or like, what, what's the deal? Is that genetics? Like what's going on? Uh, a lot of curls and a lot of genetics. Uh, I think I probably got tested 12 times this year. Really? You get tested all the time. I got tested right before the lockdown, like a day before they must have known. <laughs> Dude, why are they even doing that? Before the lockdown? Why does it even make well, sense? I don't know, because they just do things. What is a steroid? Okay, explain to the people who don't know what a steroid test is. Like, so do you, like, you, you obviously they, they, they come up to you and they say they're testing you, or you, you just explain it. Like, how does it work out? So you're just sitting in your locker and you'll have a, uh, normally your team doctor or trainer will come to your locker and say, hey, the, the, sport free or nsf people whatever they are they're they're testing you today they have random selection or whatever but they're there all the time everyone gets tested like 10 12 times throughout a year it's like when you have a second just go in there and you go in there and everyone's in a hazmat suit it feels like it's they're taking it more seriously <laughs> edc's taking anything and it's like you get in there and it's um you just fill out a bunch of stuff you have your id uh you piss in a bottle and they they do it up and take a picture of you next to it and a bunch of numbers. And, and then, uh, yeah, then you never hear anything from them again, unless you failed, then you're uh, then it's a nightmare. Out. Yeah. Then it's an absolute nightmare, yeah. but dude, there's one guy you played with that I'm absolutely in love with that. I one day, hopefully you can come on this podcast, Reddick. What was it like playing with Reddick? You guys were both wearing speedos that electric picture, by the way, what's it like playing with, a World Series champion, first of all, and a guy that's just absolutely one one of the good guys in the game of baseball. Awesome, Reddick was unbelievable, and his his psyche is also unbelievable. Come to the field one day with a shaved head or a mohawk or die, like he's for the boys. He'll do whatever it takes, you know. What's what's and a I, funny what's a funny story you have about him? I mean, I don't really have a funny story about him, but I mean, I saw Reddick has won the World Series. He's been in the league for forever. He has probably $60 million. And I was looking through my phone one day and I saw this dude playing in the Dominican. I'm like, Oh my (laughs) He's out there playing Dominican winter league. And I was like, this guy's an animal. He's a beast. That's awesome. Dude. Some people just love the game, no matter how much money they make. Obviously that guy is his grandkids, grandkids are never going to have to worry about money, but he's just in there grinding in the Dominican winter league for Leona or whatever the hell that team's name is. I mean, he's just grinding. He's (laughs) Another guy you played with is a, another legend of the game is Madison Bumgarner. What was that dude like? Oh, man. I mean, he, for one, he's enormous and he likes to wrestle people. He's good at wrestling. Um, he loves, uh, loves talking about ranching and, and riding horses and stuff like that. And sit next to him in the plane. Sometimes he'll show you a bunch of pictures of, of horses and him roping them and stuff like that. And, uh, he's just he's just a really good dude. He's a country guy and he he loves horses and that's his thing, you know. And they'll he'll get hyped up for a start and you know, 
no hit the Braves and and then back to horses, you know, dude, that no hitter and the fact that and this just goes to show you how fucking stupid the game of baseball is that that's not recognized as a no hitter. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, was that like a topic of discussion in the locker room for you guys when Mad Bum threw that no hitter and they're like, well, this isn't recognized like on a in a record yeah. scale. And like it was just eventually going to get changed or something. Like we just, I felt, I feel like everyone thought it was just going to be a no hitter, and then I guess they just didn't do it. But I mean, it felt like a no hitter for for us and for him because I mean it's an official MLB game that they set up, and he no hit them. So that's that's kind of a no hitter, you know. You're, I mean, you're hitting that right on the head. And and something I also want to discuss is you and I were six days apart, but you're three years older than me. Humble brag, but. We have we have like a little birthday work here, birthday week here, so we got to figure out a way to kind of make make not a ceremony. We're not going to pump our own tires here, but we got to mix in a little birthday week thing. Maybe every single day, one good thing about me and you, we'll post on the official official pod. We'll just get it going here yeah. for the people because we it's birthday week. I mean, you're six days above me, th- three years and six days above me. So I mean, that's what we do now. And you're from North Dakota, which is, I mean, why didn't you play hockey? Like, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you a hockey guy? I say it all the time when I'm sucking. I tell everyone on our team. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Why didn't, why didn't you play hockey for NODAC? I mean, one of the – and for people, this is a baseball podcast. North Dakota State is one of the nastiest hockey programs oh. – UND, University of North Dakota. University of North Dakota, sorry. UND yeah. is one of the nastiest hockey schools in America. I mean, you want to talk about just the oh. NHLers, right? Yeah. It's it's yeah. a free it's oh, a free they show. Have multiple, multiple first rounders every year. Um and people that aren't familiar with hockey, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but these other schools are picking kids from juniors. So they're 23, 24 years old. And UND just gets these 18 year old kids that are first rounders. And it's just unbelievable watching these kids play. And they're there for one year because they're freaks. They're first rounders, but I yeah. love going to those. So, so you grew up going to those games. So you, you never, I, cause obviously, like I said, you're a big body pumping your, pumping your tires here. You never thought about like when you were a kid, even like strap throwing the skates on and like maybe giving it a shot. Oh man, my dad played basketball, so he had me in the gym. So I played basketball in high school and stuff, and I'm still not a great skater. I mean, sometimes my hockey buddies will take me out on the pond and just beat my ass, but that's about it, you know. That's probably the closest state to like what we experience here in Canada. I mean, that North Dakota. I think Jonathan Taze went there. If I if I if I have that correct, Jonathan Taze on the Blackhawks, he went there. A couple yep. other guys, TJ Oshie, I think went there. There's a couple, yeah. That like that's Olympian, cool. the hero of the Olympics. Yeah, it's just that, that that like that state is so is hockey ingrained in that state. Like when you're growing up, is all your friends playing hockey? Is that like one of the main things? Because you guys don't have a, like a pro sports team there, right? So is that like one of the like the main like that's the pro sports team? Is that hockey team? Yeah, for sure. UND, those games are incredible. They're nicer. They say they're nicer than NHL arenas. They sell out every game. It's unbelievable. Like those for sure. And it's like Minnesota is probably a little bit better of a hockey state, but like Grand Forks, the town that UND is in, everyone plays hockey and it's just, they're, they're nasty. Yeah. No, I mean, North Dakota, do you ever go back there? Or are you just like an Arizona body now? Like our guy, Jamie Westbrook, he just, the guy, Jamie Westbrook, by the way, just knows every human being on planet earth. I thought, yeah. I want to say this every single time we have a guy on the podcast. If I look at the comments, it's just Jamie Westbrook. He's one of the most popular guys in baseball. I love Jamie. So anyways, yeah. do, you, do you ever go back to North Dakota? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm here right now, actually. Oh, you are? The balmy negative 15 today in the blizzard. Oh, my God, dude. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how you guys – it's not that cold. Yeah, I, all the time. I love those games still. I've been to two this year. They, they beat the go. Sick. The fans threw out dead gophers on the ice. It was awesome. That is so – I mean, that is that is just all day. Uh, you, North Dakota deserves a pro sports team because, obviously, I'm a degenerate gambler, and I watch the North Dakota State football games. Holy – holy shit, those games are electric. I mean, they're always a wagon, too, in the FCS, right? I mean, I think yeah. they're in the championship. I could be wrong. They might be the championship. But North Dakota State football is a wagon. Are you a North Dakota State football guy, too? No, no. I went to Indiana State. So I that was in the Valley. So we played them. So I was never around the hype that much. But I'm, I'm more of the hockey fan. I like going to hockey games. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, I just couldn't imagine you. You'd probably be like a, a steady demon, like a Kale McCarr type, just grinding on the on the point. Just with the, oh, with yeah. the build you have, you just love to see it. So, and then, so, so this year, you're with the Nationals now. When did this? I mean, when did this happen? Like, keep the people in the loop here because obviously, and we got to talk about this. I might have to be your social media guy. Your social media bio still says Arizona Diamondbacks. We got to work on that. I know. I actually just posted today and switched it, but it's been a minute. You know, it's 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 hard for even me to keep up with. But uh, so they had the Rule Five draft, and the Nationals picked me up. Uh, so yeah, I guess I'm I'm going to to Washington, dude. What a st- what a what a field! Holy yeah. shit! I mean, so when you're so when you're in the Rule Five draft, was was uh, we're talking about teams that were interested in you? Was that one of the main teams that like reached out to you, or you can't reach out to players? Uh, he can't reach out to him, but I went um, third overall, so I feel Humble pretty. Brag. Yeah, let's go. Uh, that's always good to feel wanted, you know. <laughs> Third overall is that good, people? You tell me. I mean, holy shit! Our guy Shea Spitzbarth actually went first overall two years ago in the draft with the with the Pirates. But so, when you get drafted in the Rule Five, does that mean that they have to put you on the big league roster for the Nationals now? So they can't actually have the in the big league Rule Five, yes, um, but they can't have it because of the lockout. So they still have to have that draft, which I think I'm still eligible for. But I'm assuming they're going to have it as soon as the lockout is over so i don't know how that's going to work with the lockout you know you never know you never really know so i mean you were in hawaii last week if i have that correct i mean is that like an annual trip you do or what's the deal with that no that was just uh, it's negative 20 so let's go somewhere warm that's Uh, crazy to me that you stay there during the off season in north dakota last year but this year i am i just i don't know i like i like the cold i think it's it's brings me back to my my junior college roots that's true are you doing like rocky balboa training like training outside in minus 15 and like a hoodie and sweatpants with a with the beanie on or what's the deal with that uh, i'd probably die if i tried but yeah it's walking to my car is pretty much a rocky balboa workout in itself dude minus 15 so that's fahrenheit so i don't even know what that would be in celsius i think that's it's times two something 30 so that oh my god that's a nightmare so is it to the point so people a lot, a lot of listeners in the show are from like texas california those areas they don't understand like what we have to deal with you have to turn your car on like 10 to 15 minutes before you even enter it. Cause it's just oh. a nightmare. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, the coolest I've ever seen growing up here is probably negative 57 true temperature. And the windshield was negative 80, which is crazy. And people had to keep their trucks running all night or the gasoline would freeze. In it. So that's just like a different level of cold. Oh you know? my God, dude. Yeah. So do, do people work like, do you, like was school canceled for you then? Or like, what's the deal with that? I mean, we were actually hunting. So we were in a town called Crosby, which is the end of the earth. It's uh, right on the border of Canada and Montana. So it's, it's nowhere. Like you can't get there. You have to like take a horse to get there. And we were hunting. And I remember the action, the metal on my goat, on my gun froze and my gun wouldn't work. And then we were just like, well, I guess <laughs> the guns don't work. It's so cold. The metal froze. So it's just like, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. So you're a big, you're a big hunting guy, eh? So you're like you're like a te- you're, I would say. So is North Dakota like a like a massive hunting state? Like I, I have no idea about that state. So it, 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 like is that one of the big things you guys like grow up doing there? Yeah, definitely. Oh my god, I remember the first time I saw a gun. I was in junior college in Nebraska, and it is one of the most electric feelings of all time holding a fucking gun. It. I mean, we were skeet shooting. I don't think I didn't hit one. I don't like we were there for like four hours. But it yeah. is just absolutely dynamite. I feel like a younger version of you would just absolutely dust me on in a skeet shooting competition. Like a 14-year-old AY would just dust me. Oh, 
Oh man. I mean, that, that's what we do for fun. That's probably what you guys did for fun in Nebraska. And it's like in Nebraska, North Dakota, Kansas, they're all the same. There's not a ton of people and you're in a small town. So you're going to drive your, drive your car out and bring your shotgun and shoot some clay pigeons. And that's what you do, you know? Dude. So you get kind of for a while. Dude, it's just, it's insane. So I, I wanted to go into last year, like you said, cause you, you got to have your technically second debut last year. What was it like to finally play a big league game in front of fans? Your family gets to show up. Like, I mean, was there a shit ton of nerves there for you? Or like, what's the deal with that? Um, I, there was definitely less nerves. Just every, you saw everything the year before. So it was definitely less nerves. Um, the fans just made it fun. You know, like playing in front in Dodger Stadium is just crazy. Like, it's like a Hollywood production. Like, the video stuff is unbelievable. The music is loud. Like, it feels like it's shaking the ground. And it's just like... They're going to sell out 50,000 every game. It's just like, that was unbelievable, you know? Yeah. I mean, like what was your favorite stadium or city to visit in your big league career so far? Um, I mean, San Diego is hard to beat, you know, just you're right next to like Coronado Island and they were so good that they had a ton of fans. Their park is awesome. Um, yeah, probably San Diego. Did you get any fan uh, fan interactions? Maybe fans chirping at you or anything along those lines, like borderline like offside shit, or was it just all funny shit? Uh, no, there's. I mean, you go to the East Coast and there's some pretty off the wall things people say to you. You know, there's. I mean, it, it gets pretty dark at times. I don't know if I can even say it, but there's out there telling you to like kill yourself and stuff like that. So it gets kind of dark sometimes. It, those fans are the absolute <laughs> biggest fucking clown shows of all time. I have no idea why you pay money to go to a big league game and roast like these players that are just normal human beings like yeah. Trevor Bauer. Sure. You can roast Trevor Bauer. That's fine. I'm, I'm going to let that slide. But all these other guys, like, what are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So are you talking like, have you got to play Yankee stadium? Cause I heard Yankee stadium state, like Yankee fans are the scum of this. Like they're the worst. No. Uh, so it's actually surprising how little the NA, the NL plays the AL. And I didn't really realize that like growing up and watching baseball, you don't notice, but we hardly ever play AL teams. So when we go to the East coast, we play like, play the Mets and the nationals and the, uh, the, um, the Phillies and, and teams like that. But we didn't play any of those AL East teams. I was thinking about doing a segment on this show. I think it would break, uh, break the internet. When these troll accounts try to roast friends of the show, I want to quote tweet it, get them on the show and just do a one-on-one -on -one with them. Like just tap into their psychotic brain of them chirping friends of the show. I feel like it would just be absolutely maybe the greatest piece of content ever created because I'll keep their, I'll keep their identity. Obviously I'll keep their identity. It's, I won't reveal their identity, but just a one-on-one -on -one conversation with an internet troll that tries to troll a friend of the show. Like, I feel like that would just be maybe the greatest piece of content of all time. Just a tap into yeah. their brain. Well, the thing is too, it's, People say these things like either on the internet or like at the stadiums because they don't really think that I don't think that they look at these players as like people sometimes. And then it's funny when you have people that like DM them back. And like I remember a pitcher on our team, like someone was really mad because he lost him some money or something. And he just said, Hey man, like I'm trying to do my best. Like I'm sorry if I if I lost you some money or whatever the deal is. And he was like sincere about it, which most people just don't respond. But then the guy came back and he goes, dude, I'm so sorry. Like I'm a loser. Like, I'm sorry. And it's like, oh I think that God. humility to the, to the situation where most fans are just like, Oh, they're never going to see it or they'll, they don't care. But it's like, you know, they're, they're people, but it's a part of it. You know, do you ever take a glance at your DMS uh, post game or anything along those lines? Yeah. You see all of it pretty much. I mean, um, Arizona is pretty good. The fans are, the fans are good there. And, um, you always like, you're going to, if you're on a stage like that, you're going to get some bad ones, but most of them were, were pretty positive and you get kind of numb to it after a while. Did you, do they still have that pool in right field at chase field? They still have yeah. that pool, right? How many pool uh, shots did you hit? Did you hit a couple? Uh, no, I didn't hit any in the pool. That's dude. That thing is not close. Chase. <laughs> I didn't hit any in the pool. I got close once. I stuck one in the fence. It like dropped right in front of the pool and like stuck in the, uh, and like the padding so that's about as close as i got dude that stadium is an absolute graveyard like i don't know how hitters play there like it makes Marte's numbers more impressive when he was there because it's just impossible to hit nukes there like yeah 
did you catch yourself a couple times like launching a baseball and be and then not being even remotely on you're like what in what is going on yeah yeah dude it's it's funny because before they did the humidifier in the state and the balls it was like one of the best spots in baseball to hit because it is actually elevated i think it's the second most elevated spot in the mlb and then they humidify the stadium and the balls and then it's just like that 408 and that 50 foot wall, like it gets a long ways away really quick, you know? Yeah. Our guy, master front of the show, Jordan Luplo just uh, got traded there, signed there. I don't know what happened, but um, you got to, I mean, that we'll see how it goes, but that stadium is just a nightmare fuel just for home run hitters and all that kind of stuff. I mean, so when you were playing at Chase Field or just in your big league career, what's like one moment you've had so far in your career where you're like the most proud of like or three for three or like your first big league nuke? Like what's that one moment where you look back at you're like, I can't believe I did this in the show. Um, well, I started off this year. Well, there's probably my my brag, my claim to fame so far is so I have the hardest hit home run in Arizona Diamondbacks history with almost 116 off the bat so that was that's probably my my coolest thing and I knew I hit it hard as a line drive to center field and then I looked I was 116 I remember I got in first base the next day and Joey Votto was like yo you heard a lot of feelings with that 116 and then uh, a a few days later someone's like that's the hardest hit home run in in Diamondbacks history so that's probably the coolest thing I think I've done on a field so that was against the Reds right yep I have to find this. That is ins- so. <coughs> when you're hitting a ball that hard, did you realize there's 116 off the bat? Uh, not off the bat, but I hit it. It was like one of those balls you hit, and you're like, "Man, I crushed it!" But it was like it's a like it's right at the fielder, you know. And then it went over the fence. So I was like, "That was different." That's, That's- something. There. <laughs> that is so electric! Holy shit, you love to see that. I mean, 116 off the bat, Diamondbacks record. So that's something you could just throw on the resume. I mean, that is one of the most, like, that's just maybe the best out of all time. Where does that actually stand on like MLB records? Like, is there like any like 121s? Trying to think. I know Vladdy hits a shit ton that are like, I don't, I I don't think there's, I think a few people have hit it over 120, but I don't think there's a ton. Yeah. Cause 116 has to be up there, like, especially in the record books of last year, like the hardest hit home runs. Your home run has to be up there. Maybe judge and vladdy were like probably taking over the leaderboard but that is absurd so obviously when you get the first base you get to meet all these type of different guys who's like the nicest guy on an opposing team that you've got a chance to meet it was it joey Votto, the canadian kid or what yeah i love joey Votto, but it's he's so comfortable on the field because he's so good that he is talking to you the whole time <laughs> like he's just standing there like he does not stop talking and it's like you're a rookie or it's your second year and you're still kind of uh don't get picked off, you know, and he's just talking the whole entire time. And it's just, he's hilarious. He's the nicest guy ever. But uh, sometimes you're like, dude, I need to concentrate. Like if I get picked off, I'm going to three A. Yeah, for sure. Who's like the hardest pitcher you've got to face, like you faced so far in your big league career. Like one guy who let's just say puts you in his back pocket. I mean, it was, it was Kershaw for a long time. I mean, I think I started my career like oh for seven with seven punch outs against Kershaw until I finally I hit a double or if I started off, I hit a ball. I put it in play. And I was like, thank God. And then my next at bat, I hit a double. And then I was like, all right, we're, we're getting closer. But I mean, for my first seven at bats, it was between like spring training and the big leagues and then spring training again in the big leagues. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't even put the ball in play. Like, come on. Like, what is this? Dude. It's just, it's crazy. And then, so spring training, is that where you sit? Like, because obviously, if you search your name, there's a lot of spring training videos of you, like just launching baseballs. When did you think your name got put on the map for like the big league club? Like, where it's like this guy has a like a really good chance of playing in the show. Like, when when did when, what what was your like breakout year or breakout moment that like really put your name up there? Um, I think so. When I was in the Goldschmidt trade, I think that that's when. Um, I was pretty confident that if I played well, I'd, I'd have a shot. Um, and then that next year I hit 29 home runs and I got put on the roster. So those happening back to back years, I was like, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's do this thing. I felt like I, I belonged. Cause I, I mean, I hit 21 home runs and a half in AAA the year before. 
And so it's like, I feel like I'm ready, you know? So I'm then going into next year. I really wish it wasn't a weird COVID year where you started. I had a really good spring training and then they just axed it and everything was canceled. So it was just, you know, it was, I, I still thought I was going to do it, but it's like, man, if we don't have a season, like it's hard to be a big leaguer. You know? That happened to a lot of guys, man. Like there was a lot of guys, like, especially that came on this show that had really good springs. And then it gets canned where you're already in that kind of groove, like not mid season form, but you're starting to like feel yourself a little bit. And then you don't like, you're playing like, what, what was it? Three months after July, I think it started. Is that, am I right on that? August? Yeah. Yeah. July, I think. July. Yeah. So it's just, I, that was just a weird year, man. That year has to get scrapped, but you said you were doing live ABs off Eric Sim, and people don't realize this, man. Sim is a crazy athlete. Like, he sells the whole Juco thing a lot, but he was nasty in Juco. Like, he was throwing, like, high high 80s, low 90s, I believe. He was raking at the plate. So when you're getting live ABs off Sim, like, is it – what would you compare it to, like, level-wise, like, just the way that he throws? Um, well – I think Sim was a, a professional catcher, I think. Yeah, no, but he he pitched too. Like I, when he was at Colby Community College, he threw a little bit as well, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but yeah. I think he pitched at the end of his pro career too. I think so. Sim has good arm side run. Um, I think I've seen him throw 94, so he throws hard. Uh, his off speed just really isn't comparable though. So it's like <laughs> his curveball and his slider are crash. So I don't know if he's been working on it, but like that just, I don't know what level he'd be at, but. His, he has a good fastball because he's huge and he works on all that stuff. But unless he develops a slider, I don't know if I can where I'd put him in in pro rank. You gotta get you gotta I'm, get another AB against him. I mean, I we need to see it again because obviously he's lost a shit ton of weight. He's yoked now and he's literally yeah, just I, focusing on baseball. Yeah, he might be. Yeah, he definitely. I mean, he might make a comeback. I mean, he's huge and he's throwing his goals ninety five now, which I am sure he's gonna hit. Uh, yeah, if I go back to Arizona before I head to Florida, I'll definitely hit him up and we'll do some live at bat, see if he can beat me again. Dude, you're you're playing in Florida now. That's insane. Like that uh spring training is completely different than the Arizona one. The I heard I heard like the Arizona fall, like not the Arizona fall league, sorry. The Arizona spring training, like almost every facility is just sick. Is that true? Like is that is, is that is that like the better one? Yeah, Arizona's sick. I mean it's just like a party. Everyone's going down there and they're watching the games and they're all really, really close. They're all in Phoenix. Um, Florida is just different because it's spread out throughout the whole state. So they're not as concentrated, but I mean, I remember when I was with St. Louis, like those Midwest towns travel so well because they're getting out of the snow, but it's not like Phoenix where everyone's going to Phoenix and it's just like, they can go to whatever game they want. That's all different. And, and let's let's go into it for a second. And obviously, we're talking about weight training here. The gyms are closed here in Canada, so I'm just doing backyard workouts. Um, what what g- give some of your numbers to the people that like to talk shit about you, or maybe some guys that like that that w- just give them a make them second guess sending that tweet to you. Like, what are you putting up on the bench, the squat, deadlift, whatever? Give us your numbers, man. I I don't squat, bench, or deadlift anymore. I mean, I. I'm doing more of the, um, I don't know. Baseball training has changed so much since junior college and even division one, we would, we would do all those things. We'd have a bench day, a deadlift day and a squat day. And, and back in, in college, you know, I was, I think I was around four or 500 for, for squat and four or 500 for deadlift and, and bench. I think, going, oh man, it's been a while, maybe around. So you don't do two- any of that shit. You don't do any of that shit. No, anymore. I don't do any of that anymore. No. What do you do? Like you just do plyos? No, I do. So I do a bunch of like stability, like one legged goblet things like with rotation. And it's like, it's still heavy and it's hard, but I just kind of, I went to a place in Arizona called push performance and they put you on a table and they're like, Hey, your right hip is trash. So we're going to do a bunch of things that gets this to move efficiently in your swing or like, Hey, you're, this shoulder gets stuck when you do this. So they break down your swing, they break down your throwing and they're going to like specifically make workouts so your body moves more efficiently because the guy's like hey like you're strong enough to play in the mlb like if you fail in the mlb it's not because you're not strong enough so like let's make sure you're moving efficiently you know and you're healthy and stuff like that that's insane to me is like the technology now where they can look at your hip and be like this is garbage was that like one of the things for you like were they looking at they looked at your hip specifically and they're like what the fuck what's going on here um, mine's more of my like ankle mobility. So I do a ton of like band stuff on my ankles. Um, 
Yeah. And I think my, my hit gets stuck too, but everyone has a thing, you know? So it's just, and it doesn't, it doesn't like hurt you. It's just like when you swing and it stops and you don't ever see that stuff. And they're like, Hey, why does that happen? It's like, I don't know. And they're like, well, stop doing that. It's like, yeah. well, I can't like, all right, do these lifts all off season. And then it kind of just, Oh, this feels better, you know? And it's stuff like that. That's like with me. So I lost a Baker Mayfield prop on a garbage time, uh six yard pass. He needed less than three yards for me to hit the prop. He threw a six yard pass with 20 seconds left. I started beating the shit out of my couch. And now my show, <laughs> I'm not even lying to you. My sh right shoulder is on fucking Neptune. Like <laughs> I can't even lift it over my head. Like this shoulder is done. Like, I don't know what I did. It is a nightmare. So maybe the gym's being closed to your house, but it's crazy to me. Like the technology you guys have now, man. Yeah, you gotta call DJ at Push Performance. He'll fix it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe DJ hit me up here. I'll fly to. I'll go to Arizona. Me and Luplo will maybe uh, have a couple. We'll have a couple drinks. We'll we'll maybe work on some baseball tech, baseball skills for myself. But Arizona but, is pound for pound the best place on planet Earth. That's my favorite state, Arizona. Yeah, believable. I don't know why you live in Canada. Yeah, I, I don't know either. It's very stupid of me to do that. But no, dude, Sim. Not all of us will get. Not 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 all. You just gotta. Nice girl from Arizona and marry her, and then you're good. Well, not all, not all of us like Sim can get our fucking green card in like a, a year. Like, I don't know why that guy's just an American citizen now. I don't know uh, what's going on with that. Maybe momentum hooked him up. I don't know. I don't know what the deal with that is, but maybe, I mean, momentum, maybe hit me up. We'll maybe work something out here. I'll get, I'll get a green card or something like that. I'll become an American citizen because, like I said, Arizona, I used to always go to those uh, fall classic tournaments in the uh, like the scout, the showcase tournaments. Yeah. And I used to, like, I've been to Arizona like six times and I'm like, this is the best state ever. Like it's clean. It's, it's hot as fuck, obviously, but there's so much shit to do. Arizona is just, the, it's just incredible. So, I mean, so when you, obviously you got picked up by the nationals and all that kind of stuff is, is a small party going to be like, man, I missed the, I missed the AZ heat. Cause you're going to be playing in cold temperatures now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I grew up in the cold, so the cold's not going to bother me, but having spring training and chase in the same spot, was so nice, dude. Like you didn't have to worry about like a lease and spring training and then going to an affiliate. It was just there. And that was just so nice. And the spring train stuff where everything was, uh, like a day drive. You didn't have to drive across the state. It was awesome. And my sister actually goes to Arizona state. So it's just like, I have family in the area too. So I think the nationals is going to be an awesome opportunity, but leaving Arizona is definitely, definitely uh, makes me sad sometimes. Is Arizona state the greatest party school on planet earth? Like, I mean, how, uh, does, is your sister a part? Obviously I'm assuming she's smart because she goes to ASU, but is that like a massive party school? Cause being Canadian, that's like what we look upon as like, Holy shit. That's the greatest school on planet earth. Uh, the stories I've heard from my sister make it seem like it's pretty crazy. And their hockey team there is turning into an absolute wagon too. Like that. Oh. It, could you imagine playing hockey for Arizona State? Like, are you shitting me? That'd be just the greatest thing of all time. Yeah, that would be the greatest thing of all time. And this is, they have this, I mean, if you're a Canadian kid that's good at playing hockey and Arizona State calls you, are you are you going in a second? Or are you even thinking about other schools? That's what I'm saying. Even for baseball, like, could you imagine for baseball, Arizona State, Hunter Bishop, legend of the legend of Arizona State baseball, my guy, he goes there. I couldn't even imagine how popular that dude was there. Could you imagine playing baseball at ASU too? Like, how do you, if you go on other recruiting trips, how do you just, how do you say no to Arizona State? It doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, I don't think people do. I think they just get drafted too high. And then they leave no, that, that makes sense. Oh, that makes, I honestly think I'd forego. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if I got dropped the first round, I'd go to Arizona State. I mean, that's just, it's just the once in a lifetime opportunity. But anyways, last thing I want to bring up is here, obviously, hopefully there's no lockout. Hopefully it's done soon. I don't know what's going on with that. What's a couple of goals that you have going on, going into next year for yourself, mentally, physically, whatever, may, even at the plate or whatever. What's a couple of things you have in mind going into next year? Um, my goals are always kind of the same, you know, it's been the same since junior college, you, you show up and you work your tail off and you kind of move up the next level and you see what's there. So I started in junior college and then I did the same thing in division one and then you get drafted and then you go from rookie to the show. And I feel like I, this was my first year. I spent half the league, half the year in the show. So it's like, I want to build on that. I want to spend more time there. I want to contribute more. I want to play more. So it's just like building on everything I've, I've done. I feel like it's just a ramp going up and this is going to be a fun year because it's it's closer to being there than not, you know? And it's like the year before I was there and I wasn't there and it was short and it was a weird year, but last year was a normal year. 
I was there for more than half the year. I did some good things. I did some bad things. And it's like, just keep working on it. You know, you're there. So it's like, those are kind of my goals and what I'm, what I'm looking at going into this year. Well, I mean, you've been able to show, I mean, I think you're a career 280 hitter in the minors, which is better than probably 90% of the people that played in the minor leagues. So, I mean, you've had the ability to just perform at every single level. You just got to get your feet wet in the show. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking forward to it, man. Obviously it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast whenever, I don't know if the nationals even play the blue Jays this year. Maybe if you guys play in New York or Philly or Detroit, I'll, I'll make the trip. I'll make the trip. I'll watch you live. It was a pleasure to have you on this, man. Thank you for doing this. And like I said, yeah. let's ride next year. I mean, maybe actually let's order a jersey size down. Let's start intimidating the other pitcher, maybe. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah. Pants and jersey size down. Let's do it. Let's ride. Thank you again, brother, man. I appreciate you hopping on this, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me. There it is, man. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at a fish on a fish pod and on Instagram at officially on official pod. Thank you.